Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where we are looking at American Mummy from 2014. Um, so this film had a budget of around about $3 million dollars. And also goes by the name Aztec Blood in some parts of the world, which, to be honest, I think is a far better name. Like, I don't know, if I saw that on a shelf next to American Mummy, I think I'd pick up the copy that read Aztec Blood. <laughs> um, in terms of the format for the episode, we shall start with a look at the historical accuracy. And then I shall simply review the film and rate it out of 10. So, you know, we're talking about the normal format here. But before then... As usual, we shall start with our dramatic intro. Right. You are part of an excavation in the New Mexico desert, where a strange Aztec mummy has been found. You feel privileged to be a part of this dig and see it as a potential breakout moment. However, little do you realise that others in the camp have undertaken a terrible act. Using an ancient blood ritual, they awaken the spirit of the mummy. And slowly, one by one, this spirit moves through the camp, possessing the inhabitants and forcing them to commit terrible and violent acts. Soon, you shall come face to face with this curse. Soon, you shall have to fight the spirit of the American mummy. Okay, it's time for the historical accuracy section. First though, just a couple of small disclaimers. You know, I probably should just say, I am an Egyptologist, not a Mesoamericanologist. I'm not even sure that is the correct term for someone who's an expert on the Aztec culture. It's either that or Aztec historian. Personally, I would prefer to be called a Mesoamericanologist, but to be honest, that's largely just because... 
when I tell people I'm an Egyptologist, there's a surprising amount of people that just look at me confused and go, what's that? And I'd imagine for Mesoamericanologists, they probably get that like tenfold. I think if someone told me that they were a Mesoamericanologist, I too would probably ask them, what's that? Because, you know, it doesn't instinctively bring something to mind, but I don't know. I think that's quite fun. <laughs> it's definitely better than going, oh, I'm an Aztec historian. Um, anyway, I should probably just say, even though I'm not a Mesoamericanologist, I have done a lot of research and I've tried to make everything as accurate as possible. I have also managed to find sources for academic books on the subject. Basically, but university libraries are great. Um, anyway, uh, the second little disclaimer I've got is that some of the information here is a little graphic to say the least and incredibly violent. So, you know, just be warned about that. Anyway, let's get on with the episode. To begin with, the mummy in the film has a very elaborate blue mask. What's quite cool here is that the mummy is supposed to represent Quetzalcoatl, a, a, a creator god who was shown as a sort of feathered serpent. Quetzalcoatl uh, did indeed have a mask that looked very similar to the one in the film. Though, in fairness, it is uncertain whether these masks are supposed to represent Quetzalcoatl or Tlaloc, the, the rain god. But either way, both gods are heavily associated with serpents. The mask in the film does very much represent a, a real one in, you know, <laughs> well, real life. Uh, and it shows two intertwined serpents with contrasting colours of blue and green. This was normally made from turquoise. If I'm honest, I think this is a really cool little detail, and although I'm certainly not claiming the film is accurate, it does show that at least some effort has gone into this area, which is more than I can say for quite a few of the films I review. I'm definitely looking at you, Mummy Rebirth and Reborn. <laughs> At one point in the film, one of the characters, I, I think it was Philip, uh, takes a sample of the mummy for carbon dating, basically causing some harm to the corpse. Now, you may immediately be scoffing at this, but actually, there is some truth here. Um, in order to carbon date an object, you do need a sample of well, the object itself. Carbon dating, by its nature, is destructive. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it's a very useful method, but it does need to be used appropriately and strategically. You know, it needs to be used with care. But in fairness, uh, carbon dating only works with um, organic material. And we can definitely say that uh, an Aztec mummy would be organic material. So it is technically correct in that regard as well. Later in the film, it is claimed that the Aztecs killed 27 thousand people during one of their festivals in a single weekend. This actually raises a really interesting talking point. In all honesty, there are some out there who would say that this is possible, though I feel most experts on the subject would agree that there's a large amount of exaggeration here, especially considering that, well, pretty much all of the sources on the sacrifices come from the Spanish conquistadors and missionaries who arrived in the area in the 16th century. A lot of these stories also relate to the Aztec capital, Tenochtitlan. I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it seems likely that the exaggerations occur in part because the Spanish were, well, both confused and very disturbed by the Aztec civilization. I mean, you can sort of almost, you know, picture it if you put yourselves in the conquistador's shoes. So they've just walked into Tenochtitlan uh, for the first time. 
they are met by a city that has 200,000 citizens and sophisticated architecture. And bear in mind that at this time in Europe, the biggest cities such as London and Seville only had 50,000 people in them. The conquistadors then discovered that all Aztec children, both boys and girls, are educated until adulthood. Then they find out that the Aztecs, for the most part, were polite and welcoming. After this, they marvel at the sophisticated political and social structures. The first impressions that the Aztecs gave must have been incredible. In these ways, the Aztecs must have looked like an incredibly, well, advanced society, maybe even more so than the conquistadors in many aspects. But then, for the conquistadors, there was a huge, dark shadow over all of this. The culture of human sacrifice. Something so barbaric to the Spanish that they could not possibly see how such a sophisticated and civilised society could partake in it. And so, they may have inflated the numbers in order to justify their conquest. Though by the same token, it is worth noting that even without the inflated figures, thousands probably did die during the course of some festivals. It wasn't necessarily uh, the rule, it was the exception, but it did happen. So, for instance, in the Teleromano Reminensis Codex, oh my goodness, oh, these names. The Teleriano Reminensis. <laughs> Teleriano Reminensis Codex. Uh, good enough. Uh, I'll put a link to the name in the, the episode description if you want to look at it. It is interesting, I just can't pronounce it. It, well, it, it is claimed in this codex that 4,000 people were sacrificed in four days. That's the point I'm trying to make. Though, by the same token, even Aztec sources would have been exaggerating numbers. And, in fact, there are many different theories when it comes to the number of sacrifices there would have been. Some say, you know, there were thousands in a year. Some say there were only hundreds. They're, the amount varies wildly depending on who you ask. At the end of this scene, uh, one of the characters, Claire, claims that this view is shallow and defensive. She then goes on to say how deeply important blood was to the Aztecs, and how it was as important as oil is for us. I mean, yeah, I get what she's saying. These sacrifices were believed to keep the very world in motion. They were believed to help the sun rise in the morning, and to help the rain fall, so she's not wrong. But there was more to Aztec culture than merely blood. Outside of blood, there was love, pity, sorrow, grief, very human emotions. Outside of these human sacrifices, there were also strict punishment for things such as unlawful murder, which would have normally led to the murderer having to be the slave of the victim's family. So yes, blood and sacrifice was of huge importance to the Aztecs. But one does have to wonder... How different our perception of them would be if this one aspect was taken away or, you know, even just toned down. It is very likely that we'd be seeing them as an incredibly civilised society without this one aspect. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I am certainly not trying to justify mass human sacrifice. But I do believe it is important to see every aspect of a society. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Later still, it is claimed that the Aztecs believed that the Spanish conquistadors represented Quetzalcoatl, the uh, feathered serpent god who I um, spoke about earlier, the creator god, the one that has the blue and green turquoise mask. Again, there is some truth behind this. However, this can be expanded on. They believed that the conquistadors represented various gods who had returned across the Great Gulf. However, in fairness, Quetzalcoatl was the most notable of these gods. In fact, there did even seem to be many prophecies that got linked to the arrival of the conquistadors, and also linked to the fall of the Aztec Empire, though admittedly these were likely heavily modified after the event. Finally, towards the end of the film, we see an Aztec sacrifice being performed. In this scene, the priest cuts the abdomen of the sacrifice open, reaches inside, pulls out his heart and holds it aloft, still beating. This actually is not entirely inaccurate. One of the forms of sacrifice did indeed involve ripping out the still beating heart. Though, from my understanding at least, this was normally performed on top of a pyramid, not in a cave as it is in the film. There are even some accounts of queues of people awaiting sacrifice going up the pyramid. Very often, these were captured foes, though could also be specifically selected members of the society. After all, generally, the only ways of getting to kind of like paradise in um, the Aztec culture was either to die in childbirth, uh, drown, die on the battlefield, or get sacrificed. So it was actually considered quite an honour to be sacrificed in many ways. Either way, especially when you were one of these captured foes, I can't imagine it wouldn't have been, well, unsurprisingly, absolutely terrifying. So, you know, just picture it. You are standing on the side of the pyramid, awaiting your turn in a long queue of people. You see one of your allies at the top. He gets a knife slipped through his stomach a man reaches in, grabs out a still-beating heart, and then it wasn't uncommon for them to fling them from the side of the, the pyramid. So you may even see the body go tumbling past you. And then you take a step forward, and you watch as another one of your allies gets exactly the same treatment. You would know what's awaiting you. <laughs> like, um, I can't think of anything more terrifying, to be perfectly honest. Though interestingly, contrary to the point I've just made... Many of the Spanish sources claim that the sacrifices often went without protest, that they went willingly. Um, they optionally lied down and allowed the blade to slit them open, essentially. 
It's unknown how much of this is true, but it is worth noting that many of the um, people the Aztec were fighting would have maybe held similar belief systems. So maybe they also saw sacrifice as one of the few ways of getting to like a paradise, if you will. Ultimately, though, we don't know if this is pure fabrication. It could also be that the sacrifices were drugged in some way or, you know, maybe even paralysed with fear. I feel I probably would be that last one. Overall, though, when we're looking at the film as a whole, although it is worth noting I'm no expert when it comes to the Aztecs, it does seem clear to me that at least some research has gone into the making of this film. For instance, they do use the correct mask for Quetzalcoatl. They do get some elements of sacrifice right here. They do correctly say that carbon dating is a destructive process, even if it is a very useful one. And on top of that, even when the film goes into hearsay with exaggerated figures on sacrifice, it at least leads to an interesting talking point and area of research. However, on the downside, the film does also ignore the other elements of Aztec culture, such as the sophistication of their cities and architecture. And this is, I mean, it is sadly expected, but by the same token, it's an area that's ignored almost entirely in popular culture and media, and this kind of approach does lead to um, the Aztec culture being misrepresented. Okay, we have now arrived at the review section of the episode, so here I shall simply go over what I liked and disliked in the film, and then rate it out of 10. First things first, I actually didn't mind the beginning of the film too much. I mean, so great, to give it a bit of focus. After the cold open, we go to one of the characters who is making a recording for the excavation. During this, she talks a little bit about each of the characters in the camp, and goes over their personalities a little bit. This was a, a fun way of introducing the characters, though... By the same token, it did also introduce one too many all at once, and then the film just kind of expected you to know who everyone was right away. So, this was a nice way of starting the film, but it is kind of used to replace the personality of the characters, and there isn't really any character progression after this point. We are just told who these characters are, and then that's it. So, it was a good idea, but the execution definitely wasn't great. On the upside, I will say that the production value and acting was a step above other films in a kind of similar vein. So I would normally be putting this film alongside the likes of The Mummy Reborn and Rebirth. And don't get me wrong, this is still very much a cheap looking film and the acting definitely isn't brilliant. But I didn't feel it was overtly bad either. There are also some unintentionally funny scenes here and the deaths over limit can be quite hysterically violent and bloody at times for instance at one part carmen uh, one of the main characters is possessed by the mummy and she starts attacking one of the other characters then one of the other characters just starts smashing carmen on the back of the head with a shovel and i mean he does this without hesitation and he does it repeatedly again and again and again and one of the funniest parts about this is he just has no emotion in his eyes whatsoever as he does this. And it, it makes the whole thing come off as even more brutal. I'm probably sounding a little bit weird saying that I found this scene funny. But trust me, it just was. And, and what's even greater is later on, the same character uses an axe to cut off one of the other character's arms. Again, he does this without 
any emotion in his eyes and without hesitation. I think maybe one of the things that makes this so funny is we're not supposed to be against this character. This is one of the good guys. I mean, maybe this could have worked if, you know, like say he was feeling a bit tormented by what he had done or something like that, but he'd been forced to do it. But no, he just kind of does it like he's a robot or something like that. He just annihilates these people. On the downside, however, it feels weird saying that after the last bit I just said. I just used what was a pretty bad aspect of the film as a good aspect, and that probably tells you a lot of what my final rating for this film's going to be. But on the downside, this film may be the horniest film I have ever seen. It just genuinely feels like every other scene is either a sex scene, or someone is stripping off, or someone is perving on someone. Don't get me wrong, Look, these kind of scenes, I think, are fine in moderation, especially if they, you know, it serves the plot in some way. But here it's overdone to a ridiculous level and it's completely unnecessary. A lot of the time, these these scenes just felt like they were being used to kind of like pad out the film when, <laughs> well, you know, maybe character development would have been nice here instead. You know, maybe making me care about the characters would have been better, in fact, because, well, at the end of the day, this film gives me absolutely no reason to care about any of these people. And so, for a lot of the time, it just felt like I was either watching characters I just plain didn't like, or I was, you know, at best indifferent to, just getting brutally killed. Now, this may shock you, but I get no pleasure out of that. It's boring. And when I say boring, I mean it's really boring. To put it into perspective, one of the notes uh, I, I wrote whilst, you know, making this episode is literally just, I am halfway through and nothing has happened yet. By this point, one person has died in the cold open and then there is just a lot of very uninteresting talking. Like, I'm not even sure what the talking is achieving because... I certainly don't know anything more about these characters other than all of the men are horny, like, literally all of the time, and that is their only personality trait. They also don't really explain why anything is happening in this film. So, for instance, at one point, Carmen tries to raise the mummy from the dead, but I really don't get why. My guess is that she was possessed in some way, but... I honestly am, I'm I'm not sure I'm correct there, I'm just inferring. In fairness, well, uh, I will admit I don't normally do this when watching these films as, well, unsurprisingly, I need to concentrate, but this film drove me to it. Essentially, I ended up scrolling through TikTok. Yes, I am ashamed to say I use that platform. The Mummy Movie podcast is on there. Cheap plug. But honestly, my most memorable thing from watching this film is, is finding a new page called puppy songs it's literally just someone who makes up songs from the perspective of puppies and you know it's very cute also they have like this little serial going on about uh detective lenny who's a puppy detective trying to stop the evil m papa another very cute dog who's trying to steal the world's supply of belly rubs it's quite adorable but (laughs) well anyway i'm clearly getting off topic the point is that was the most interesting thing that happened whilst i was watching this film I think, though, the worst part of this film is that they hint at the mummy waking from the dead. 
You even see it kind of like vaguely move at some points, but then it just never raises from the dead. It just kind of lies there. And don't get me wrong, I understand that this film is more about the spirit of the mummy moving through the camp, but why would you even hint at it being able to rise from the dead, you know, by having the corpse move in any way, shape or form, if it's just not going to? It's just a huge disappointment. So, overall, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked that I really was not a fan of this film. For the most part, it just felt like people I vaguely didn't like or was completely indifferent to wandering around, talking, and then getting killed. And I really hate being negative. I, I generally try to find at least something I, you know, I like in these films as, well, ultimately, I want to like them. I'm, I'm aware that someone has put their time and effort into making this. But in all honesty, there really isn't much I can outright say that is positive here. I have watched some truly terrible films and given them like 6 out of 10, Largely because the thing I value most in a film is the entertainment value. If a film is terrible but funny, then for me it does have value. This film, however, commits the worst crime a film can commit. It's boring. It's really boring. And for that reason, regrettably, I have to give it a very rare 1 out of 10. Thank you very much for listening. I certainly hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you have, please consider liking, subscribing, leaving a comment. If you have carrier pigeons, why not, you know, attach notes to their legs with a description of the show and send them to, you know, wherever they go. Why not hire a plane and attach a, a massive banner with the Mummy Movie podcast logo on it and fly through the air for all to see? I remember once I seeing an experiment where they put little dots on snails to see, you know, if they return to the same location. So you'd get a snail, you put a dot on it, and then you take it, say, far away from your garden, and you'd see if it would return or not. Why not do that, but instead of putting a dot on the snail, draw a really detailed picture of the Mummy Movie Podcast logo on the snail shell instead. Then, as it's making its way back to your garden, people will see it and be like, What's that then? The Mummy Movie Podcast? <laughs> well, I have to check it out. Who knows, maybe even other snails will see the logo and gain the ability to listen to podcasts. All creatures are welcome. If you're listening to this and you're a snail, welcome. I, I, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> Ugh, I'm addressing snails now. I think this film has made me go insane. I, I honestly do. <laughs> um, anyway, once again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And join me next time, where we shall be looking at The Mummy's Revenge from 1975. I hope you all have a fantastic week, and see you then.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.